Um, just wave at me if uh, you don't understand me. I just want to thank you. There's one person at the back with their hands down. Praise you. Which part of Scotland are you from? <laughs> so uh, Joe and I have been back in the UK. Um, we had a week in Scotland. Uh, Scottish people, they talk really fast. And we pride ourselves in our mumbling. Um, so I was with my mum and dad, and it, it got quite parochial. Um, and then we had two weeks in, in England. And, uh, and I think that's just a penance. You know, everyone, the Lord says, you know, you've you got to carry your cross. And as a Scotsman, <clears throat> I guess, for me, that's visiting England. While I was there, though, we, um, we went to uh, Durham Cathedral, uh, just an incredible cathedral. Um, uh, sometimes when there's an invasion, um, there, are, there are some good benefits. And one of those, when William the Conqueror came 1066 to the UK, uh, he brought this incredible uh, church-building mentality. And they built these incredible square tower uh, cathedrals and churches, just astonishing. Built in 1093, almost a thousand years ago. We got history back there. I don't know what you guys learn in history in Australia, but we got some history there. Uh, and I learned that uh, it was only in the 18th century that they put pews into the cathedral. For hundreds of years, people went to church and they stood. I'm going to be talking a little bit about comfort and laziness today. Uh, but I'm going to pick up the theme of Sonia, I think, talk about endurance and perseverance. Um, Noah, where are you by? Come on up and give the word of today. Come on, give him a round of applause. Come on, Noah. All right, so today I'll be reading Hebrews 12, verse 1, 2, 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from the sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Amen. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, just as water always runs downhill, it takes the easiest path always. Um, so too our fallen nature uh, as human beings oftentimes just finds the path of least resistance. How many people have children? Ours are grown up, but they'll always be your kids. Um, never ever have I ever had to say to my children, could you just stop tidying your room so much? <laughs> have you guys? I know one family who may have. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't embarrass him. <laughs> Never have I had to say to my children, look, could you just stop studying for those exams? You're going to wear yourself out. Never happened. Never happened. Um, never have I said to my children, look, you're training too hard for that race or for that competition or for that foodie game. 
never had to do that. Uh, we are, by nature, creatures of comfort. I, of course, as a loving husband, um, have made sure my wife is well catered for. I've, I've bought her a wash machine. Oh, there's more. A dishwasher. An air fryer. A vacuum cleaner. She hardly has any work to do at home at all. Creature of comfort. There's a, there's a joy standing here with a microphone sometimes, but you know, the pain is coming. There's a guy called uh, Daniel Lieberman, uh, an American, um, so um, any Americans here? Praise the Lord. Um, a Harvard expert in human biology. He posed in a paper in 2015 that it's not our natural inclination to exercise for health alone. It is natural and normal, he says, to be physically lazy. He says this, I predict that hunter-gatherers in the Kalahari or the Amazon are just as likely as 21st century Americans to instinctually avoid unnecessary exertion. Leiberman explains that our ancestors struggled to amass enough food to make up for the calories they burned tracking down that food. So they needed to conserve their energy when they could. Our instincts are always to save energy. Uh, I go to Coles, I do the shopping at home and the cooking. Most things, really. Um, <laughs> apart from the washing and the washing up and uh, vacuuming the carpets for which there are machines. <laughs> Look, I've given to my wife. Um, I, don't, I don't expend too many calories in coals going around pushing my little trolley um, with non-squeaky wheels um, and picking up my, uh, my French-trimmed lamb uh, cutlets uh, from the butchery uh, and put them in the trolley. Uh, but nonetheless, I can understand where Lieberman is coming from. When Joe and I go out shopping, it's always a joy. <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass you today, so you're okay. <laughs> we uh, always default to taking the stairs. Uh, so if we're heading up uh, in the plaza or even in the airport, for example, where there's stairs or where there's escalators, we look at one another and go, stairs? Yep, and we take the stairs. So we always climb the stairs. We've always done it. Uh, if there are no stairs and we have to take the escalator, then we'll have to take the escalator. One of my pet hates, I will confess to you, is usually just about when we're about to step onto the escalator, there will inevitably be someone who just beats us to it and steps on there and goes like this. And stops. And there's nothing more irritating to me than that. When we get on the escalator, we just keep marching. Up or down. Keep going. Uh, we just do that. 
But why do people go on the escalator and stop and allow themselves to be transported hither and thither? Um, because we're just prone to take the easy way. But the truth of the matter is, in our society, there's only really advance when someone has decided that easy ain't gonna cut it. Okay, um, we've got some slides. Let's bring a slide up here. That's a nice one. I like that one. Here we go. So this is the message for today. Uh, keep running the race and don't give up. Okay, we're going to do a little bit of a quiz. <clears throat> we'll start with the, the young ones. Start with our, our, our youth uh, and perhaps our young adults. Just bring the next slide up if you would. Okay, who invented this, the electric light bulb? Young people only. Anyone? Do you know Eli? Okay, go on then. Close, but no cigar. Thomas Edison. I don't think he had a brother. Um, Thomas Edison. I don't know what they teach kids at school these days. Huh? Homeschool is different. Yeah, you get 50% for George Edison. Uh, He invented the light bulb. If anyone had followed Thomas Edison closely, they would have observed a man who constantly failed to achieve his aim of developing the electric light bulb, or I think you call them globes here. Okay. We have the Americans to blame for that. Um, He failed 10,000 times. But that didn't deter him. He famously says... I have not failed. I have just found 10,000 ways that don't work. But he also said this, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. Our old Welsh pastor, when we uh, were in the Pentecostal church in Scotland, uh, used to always uh, say this, Kenny Boyle, If you aim at nothing, then you'll hit it every time. It's true, isn't it? Okay, next slide. One for Joe. Next one. It's coming through the ether. Okay, I'll tell the story while it comes up. Um, there's a fellow called Sir James Dyson. Anybody know what he's famous for? There we go. He's famous for the bagless vacuum cleaner. And it bears his name. But not before 5,126 prior attempts failed. Could you, could you imagine being his wife? I don't, know, I don't know what his man shed was like. He must have spent an awful lot of time there. And probably spent the family fortune uh, trying to achieve this. But he became one of Britain's wealthiest men. He's still, I think, ranked about number five uh, in Britain. I think above him are probably Russian oligarchs and so on. Okay, we'll bring up the next slide if we can. Okay then, uh, one for the ladies. Uh, What's this a picture of? Any idea? Model T 
Ford. Okay, built by Henry Ford. Sure it wasn't George? Henry Ford, that's right. <laughs> he famously said this. Uh, failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, but this time more intelligently. That was good. Okay, next slide. Any guesses as to what this is a picture of? Very, very close. Pardon? Yeah, no. Okay, I haven't got mine here. Uh, you probably got one in your pocket. Telephone. Yeah. So this is the prototype of the telephone. Invented by? Alexander Graham Bell. A Scotsman. All the best things are invented by Scotsmen. This was, this was a wonderful invention until quite recently when they, they made it mobile. And, that, and then the world changed, I think, for the worse. Uh, he was born in Scotland, my home city, uh, and he struggled for almost a decade to get his ideas off the ground. He faced legal challenges, tons of bureaucracy, and one of the longest uh, patent, or as the Americans say, uh, patent uh, battles in history. He once said, when one door closes, another door opens. But we so often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the ones open for us. Oh, the Scots are profound, aren't they? <laughs> they truly are. I like that, though. I think there's something in that for many of us. Let me just read it again. When one door closes, another opens, but we so long, so often, look regretfully upon the closed one that we don't see the one that's opened for us. You know, it's a personal thing for me too. Um, uh, December of 2021, the communist leader in Western Australia closed the door and said, um, you know, if you, want, if you want to work here, you've got to be uh, inoculated with that experimental vaccine. I said, I'm not doing that. And he said, okay, you've got a choice. $100,000 fine or you go to jail for a year. I said, I take a flight home, thanks very much. Um, and that door closed for me to fly helicopters. I've been doing it with the same company for 35 years. Three days later, I walk into this church and another door opens and I'm finding myself here looking at a beautiful family uh, who love the Lord, who have a profound sense of faith and hope in Christ Jesus. Um, and so there's no looking over my shoulder regretfully <laughs> at that uh, career, uh, not at all. The Lord knows our nature. And so, again and again in his word, he encourages us not to give up. So Noah read for us Hebrews 12, 1. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So the first thing I want to say to you in the next slide is, read the word. For therein you will find a list of people that's pretty long who have gone before us. Noah, Moses, Enoch. Elijah, Elisha, Joshua, the Apostle Paul, Peter, Christ himself, all who have preceded us to heaven and have left this living testimony that they ran their race and got to the finish line. And so we can take great encouragement that we too 
as we read the word can have the hope that we have a Lord and Savior who is cheering us on to the finish line. Let us also lay aside every uh, weight. If you bring up the next slide, one of Joe and I's uh, favorite kind of pastimes is, is hill walking. Um, <clears throat> she insisted on, on taking the fridge <laughs> with her, um, wanted to stay cool. Ah, yeah. Uh, I was carrying the compass, so, you know, <laughs> someone's got to do the nav. Um, no, this isn't us, but um, we really enjoy it. But as you know, <clears throat> if you've ever uh, hill walked, um, if you're carrying a heavy rucksack or a heavy backpack, it makes it just so harder to, to climb. Um, as soon as you take that off and, and give it to your wife uh, to have a break, um, suddenly everything becomes easier, doesn't it? Um, we are to lay aside uh, every weight. Uh, Paul, uh, sorry, the, the, the psalmist says this in, in Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. We don't have to carry weights. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy and it is light. Second thing. Maybe one for the mums. Stop worrying. Uh, we're encouraged in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that's asking God earnestly, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, this is the wonderful benefit. We give him our worry, and look what happens. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, like the oil of Aaron, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine living without the weight of worry? Really? Really? We are continually assaulted by worries. We worry about our jobs. We worry, worry about not having a job. <laughs> we worry that our wife will never ever have a job again. Uh, we, <laughs> we, I'm gonna give you a break in a minute. Uh, we worry that we're not going to be able to pay the bills. Uh, we worry about our children. Hello? It's a huge one. Um, particularly for mums. If you're a dad and you worry about your kids, that's cool. Um, I, I, I give them to the Lord. We worry about our parents. Just being back to the UK, my father has Alzheimer's now. Um, worry about, we worry about our parents. Uh, we worry when we fall ill. We worry about dying. Colin Dix is going to talk about that in just two weeks' time. Some people worry that they have nothing to worry about. Life's just too good at the moment. I know it's not going to last. Worry is like an invasive weed uh, that will choke the blooms of life that we have. Worry is really unhealthy. Probably should get a doctor up to speak, but I understand that it's not good for your health. It affects our uh, digestive system, our muscles, 
our, our nervous system, our blood sugar levels. It can give you high, uh, high blood pressure, a stroke, even a heart attack. Our loving Heavenly Father desires that we should live a life free from worry, free from anxiety, a life of joy, a life of peace. So he encourages us to lay aside everything which weighs us down. As well as laying aside worry, we're also to lay aside, in Hebrews 12 it says, the sin which clings so closely. The sin which clings so closely. It's number three. Turn from sin. So worry uh, weighs us down. Causes us to take our eyes off Jesus. Uh, Philippians 4 encourages us. It's really one of my favorite passages uh, in the New Testament. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about such things. Don't give the enemy an opportunity to fill your minds with other things. God is calling us to a holy life, a life of purity, of righteousness. You'll hear more about this, I think, this afternoon. I believe um, uh, Pastor Josh is going to preach uh, a message of holiness. Our thoughts are to be on things above, uh, not on things below. Worry speaks of, of unbelief, of, of doubt, of not fully trusting the Lord and the plans that he has for us. Remember, he has plans to give us a hope and a future. The sin which so easily clings to us and indeed leads us into other sins surely would be unbelief. Worry leads to unbelief. Unbelief opens the door to a multitude of other sins. Jesus resisted temptation, remember, by believing and trusting the Father. And when the enemy whispered, did God really say, we counter him by quoting the word of God, just as Jesus did. Let me encourage you to protect your quiet time with the Lord. Got this Bible reading app in Ignite, which is fabulous. You may have a preferred devotional that you use, but take time. Uh, to meditate on the scriptures. Allow the Lord to speak to you. Hand him your worries at the start of the day. Ask him for your daily bread, the things you need for the day, uh, and for his presence to dwell with you, to keep you from sin. It ever crouches at the door, so don't be tempted to open it. I find that truly my best days in, in God are the days where I spend more time giving him the first fruit of my day, dwelling in his presence. Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer, uh, once said, I have so much to do today that I must take the first three hours to pray. That's cool, isn't it? You know, if we did that, we would probably have a much easier life because we just give him our burdens, our cares, our anxieties, our worries, and he takes them for us. Number four, run through the wall. Run through the wall. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Does anyone know what it's like to hit the wall? Do you know that term, hit the wall? If you've ever watched um, uh, marathon races, we used to watch the London Marathon, and uh, we'd fast forward really 
about two hours, 30 minutes, and then it would start, you know, 100 meters to go, people. They would just hit the wall and they would find they had no energy to take one more step. Um, I understand, uh, reading a little bit about this, that it's a, a point when you're running when your body's glycogen uh, stores become depleted. Um, your body runs out of the fuel required uh, to do the task. Uh, some experts argue that that's around 2,000 calories, once you've burned 2,000 calories. Um, or as I like to call it, one of my wife's cheeseburgers. <coughs> I, I have the diet uh, cheeseburger with, with no cheese and no bun. Um, I'm going to have to take that back during the sausage sizzle. Um, so it's vital that we have enough fuel uh, stores to get through the wall. That's why you see runners grabbing those gel packs and stuff as they go on to keep the body uh, fueled up. That's the physiological wall. There's another one, a psychological wall. Um, who here goes to the gym? All these little hands go... Uh, okay, if you go to the gym, you probably see posters up, you know, it talks about that your mind gives up before your body. Is that true, Ted? Yep. Our resident Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. Yeah, the mind is so important. Um, there was an article published in Psychology Today. That's for Eli. I think he's out cooking. Um, examined the effect of runners' thought patterns. The researchers uh, classified thought patterns in two different ways. First uh, classification was whether you're paying attention to yourself or to the outside world. So there was an inward uh, and an outward category. The second classification was whether you're paying attention to things that are relevant to the task at hand um, or some outward uh, distraction. So again, inward or outward. Uh, and they made this discovery that thought patterns had an effect on how soon a runner hits the wall and how long that that lasted. And specifically, runners who engaged in too much inward monitoring hit the wall earlier and suffered its effects for longer. Focusing on me, myself, and I does not produce perseverance and endurance. So to the Christian should not focus continually on their own problems, but ever look to help others. If you help others run their race, you'll find yours will go so much easier. Amen? So let's run the race with endurance, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Uh, number five, uh, fix your eyes on Jesus. Uh, we often sing that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus uh, here in Ignite. God knows us, and he knows what's best for us. And what's best for us is God. Much of the trouble in life comes when we take our eyes off Jesus. John says in John 16, uh, verse 3, In the world you will have tribulation. That's encouraging, isn't it? 
Uh, but take heart, I have overcome the world, says Jesus. Hey, trouble's coming. It always has, it always will. There's a fair bit coming our way shortly. Sonia alluded to it. I'm not really going to talk about it today, but we will have to talk about this before October because there's a, there's a referendum coming uh, and the voice will be uh, voted upon. And I think it's important for us as a church that we understand the awful consequences if that vote gets up and the yes campaign win. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm voting no. Anybody else brave enough? Okay. That gives me courage. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about this next time <laughs> in some depth. There are hidden agendas behind this which are satanic and terrible. Um, and we need to talk about that. And so if I get an opportunity again, we'll explore that. Uh, it's all part of some of the stuff I talked about before with the Great Reset um, and the United Nations agenda. Okay, we'll park that one up. That's not really my message for today. You know, when trouble comes, let's encourage each other, especially when we hit a wall of adversity. We should consider Christ who went before us and showed us how we ought to live our lives. The Apostle Paul was a great example. Um, he was a guy who had some problems. Five times he received 39 lashes. It's an odd number, isn't it, 39? But they determined that 40 was likely to kill someone. And the Romans, well, you know, they were a caring lot. <laughs> They don't want to kill you, but want to inflict punishment to the maximum. 39 was deemed to be about the right figure. Five times he received one less lash than that which would kill him. It's not a Sunday unless I cry up here, isn't it? <laughs> three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned once, shipwrecked three times. He spent a whole day and a night at sea, in the sea on one occasion and yet he says this for this light momentary affliction for this light it's astonishing truly what he went through for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory Actually, that does sound better than the American. Of glory! I'll give them that one. Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're passing. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Are you going through some momentary afflictions? Take heart. The Lord is here. And so let's look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's the author and he is the finisher. He's the beginning and the end. We're not going through anything that he doesn't know about and that he's not walking through with us. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest, Christ, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Bless you, Lord. Number six, allow him to perfect you. He's the potter, uh, we are the clay. He made us, he knows us. Uh, he knows how to make us perfect. He's bringing us to perfection. It's the work of the Holy Spirit indwelling us to make us like Christ. The best thing we can do is just to yield to the work of the Spirit. Cultivate an ear to hear the voice of God. Warning us of danger, directing our path, rebuking, correcting us when necessary, when we stray into danger, wooing us towards the Lord, causing us to take our eyes off ourselves and upon him. And he has a work that he's prepared in advance for us to do. He has a race for us to run. Paul encourages us in Romans 12 to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. It's passing. It's transient. But rather be transformed by the renewal of your minds that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Allow him to perfect you. Number seven, turn your trials into joy. Oh, sorry. I do apologize. I think I've got some of my holiday snaps mixed up with my, my PowerPoint. Um, this was a, a fish and chip restaurant in Yorkshire. And my wife was about to swallow a whale whole. She was very excited. <laughs> she found some gluten-free uh, batter at a fish and chip shop. Uh, she can't eat normal batter. Um, anyway, so yeah. Um, unfortunately, you can't see the chips uh, on the plate. I didn't have a wide-angle lens, so I couldn't get them all in. But yeah, that's my girl. Yeah, she eats like a horse and looks like a racing snake. I don't know how she does that. Um, so sorry, I think I've got the wrong slide. If you go on to the next slide, yeah. Uh, turn your trials into joy. There we go, that's better. Yeah. You may get a turn up here one day and get your own back. Um, I just don't believe that women should have a place. No, I, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I, I wholly believe uh, that the Lord uses uh, women to the same capacity as men in the church. Many wonderful women are in Scripture. And uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I need a lot. Thank you. Some protection. <laughs> I need a trap door in the stage. Now, Lord, escape. Um, turn your trials into joy. Um, I don't know if, if the word... Uh, blessed is adequate, but I have a brother who's um, severely disabled. He was born with cerebral palsy um, at birth, so he's been in a wheelchair all of his life. He can't do anything. You know, he can't walk. He can't really talk. I can work out a few things that he says, 
It's difficult. I call him every Sunday, and it's hard to understand. I try to give him uh, questions uh, which end in a response from him, which would be yes, because I can understand him saying that. Although he's Scottish, so he says, I. Um, and he uses a machine to talk with um, sometimes. He sounds like Stephen Hawking's. Um, it's, got, it's got Stephen Hawking's voice on his machine. But whenever I hit a wall of adversity, I think about my brother. And suddenly, the problems that I'm going through are but light and momentary afflictions. It's a good thing to do communion every Sunday, isn't it? Thank you for that, Sonia. That was beautiful. We should take time to consider Christ. We should take time to consider the cross. To know what Christ went through, particularly when we're going through times of difficulty. Times of sorrow, times of grief, times of pain, times of affliction, times of worry, times of problems. Because suddenly, when we see what Christ endured for us on the cross, our problems become pretty light in comparison. Hebrews 12 says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I think it's healthy for Christians to review the cross regularly. There are many advocates of a gospel of grace that Bonhoeffer uh, spoke about, Dietrich Bonhoeffer back in the 30s, which is a cheap grace where you never visit the cross, you never think about the cross ever again once you become a Christian. Um, I, I refute that. Uh, I, I come against that. I don't think that's healthy for Christians. I think it's healthy to consider the cross. Even in the agony of the crucifixion, uh, the Lord Jesus dispensed grace uh, to a thief on a cross next to him and held out forgiveness and hope to him. The Apostle James encourages us to be like Christ whenever we find ourselves going through a trial. He says this uh, in James uh, chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Count it all joy. <laughs> he was a character, Paul, wasn't he? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There's a crown at the end of this, at the end of this race. Uh, and there's a joy which comes even in the midst of difficulty. Because God is doing a work of perfecting in us. If you can maybe prep the video, uh, please, uh, guys. Trials given to God produce steadfastness, a closeness and adhesion uh, to God, which works in us to complete us uh, and to perfect us. Um, I'm going to uh, watch a little video uh, in just a couple of ticks. Um,
can I just ask another question? We've been doing uh, questions on history and inventions and so on. Here's one in sport. Uh, here's one for the guys. Do you know who won the 400 meters uh, sprint race in the Barcelona 1992 Olympics? Anyone? No, nope, me neither. But a lot of us will remember this guy. Okay, are you able to run that?
Thank you. We have a Father in heaven who is at our side, cheering us on and ready to help us in our time of need. It reminds me of another wonderful story of a father who is out looking for a wayward son. And when he finally came home, he went running to meet him, placed his robe around him, his ring on his finger, celebrated. The son was lost, but now is found. We're not doing this race on our own. We have a God who is able uh, to supply our need. And we have a wonderful family that he's given us who are ever willing and ready to put their arms around us when we hit our wall and to help us to finish the race. Apostle Paul said, Philippians 3, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When one door closes, don't look regretfully and longingly at that door. God will open a new one. He's probably closed that door so he could ease you through another one. Finally, uh, number eight, love in the face of hostility. Uh, Hebrews 12, just to finish the exegesis on that uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You know, my, my heart is um, hurt by the thought that there are so many Christians who have been uh, offended in church, hurt in church, um, and they leave and they go somewhere else for a while and maybe they get offended there and they leave and, and finally they don't attend anymore anywhere uh, and they're at home. Some of them go online and that's good for a little while and some of them stop going online uh, and they just ease back into the world. We need to make sure we have eyes to see those who are hurting, those who are struggling, uh, to put our arms around them and help them through that pain, through the pain barrier of hitting the wall. Each of us have probably been there to some degree at some time. You know, I thank God for those who helped me through uh, those difficult times. You know, if we try in our own strength to love others, we often start well and finish badly. I know I do. It's not easy uh, to love in the face of hostility. When someone slaps you in the face for bringing the love of God uh, to them, when people show little or no gratitude for helping them, for giving sacrificially to them, maybe your time, your talent, or your money, and then they treat you badly. But Jesus taught that if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners 
to get back the same amount. Rather, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. I'd like to invite the worship team back up, please. Thanks. We love because Christ first loved us. We forgive others their small debt to us because we know that Jesus has forgiven a debt that we could never pay back. We need to ever remember Christ's example. When Pontius Pilate asked the question, what then shall I do with Jesus who is the Christ? The crowds replied, crucify him, crucify him. When Christ gave his life for you and for me, he did it in front of a hostile crowd. It's not easy to love in the face of hostility. Only through this lens, I think, can we clearly see to love others. It's in the turning of the other cheek that we become like Christ. It's in going the extra mile that we meet him. And so in summation, we need to read the word. Stop worrying. Turn from sin. Run through the wall. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Allow him to perfect you. Turn your trials into joy and love in the face of hostility. Okay, let's get real for a wee bit. How is your race going? How is your race going at this moment in time? Are you at a wall? Do you need Derek Redmond's father to come up? put his arm around you, help you to the finish line. Well, we are here for you. Are you anxious? Do you have worries that you cannot shake? You don't sleep at night because of worry. Hand them over to the Lord. Let him take your burdens. Let him take the weight of your trouble. God, we thank you that you sent your son, that you did not hold him back from us, but allowed him to come and go to the cross and take our sin. Even though at that moment when he became sin, you had to turn your face away and not look upon that sin. In that dreadful moment, Lord Jesus, as you felt abandoned by your Father, you held there to complete the task, to finish your race, to receive your crown. And you are even in this moment in heaven before your Father, interceding on our behalf 
praying for us, saying, Lord, touch that one, touch that one, encourage that one, bring that one a victory, lead that one home, bring that one forgiveness and healing. If you have never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity today to do just that, to hand over the reins of your life to the one who made you, who gave his life for you, who knows you intimately and wants to bring you home. If that's you, I want you to do just a very simple thing. I just want you to raise your hand just right now. I'm going to pray for you. I won't call you to the front. If that's you today, first time or perhaps in a long time, you wanted to just say yes to Jesus. Come and help me. If that's you, just lift your hand so I can see it. I'm just going to pray very quickly. Is there anyone here today? heads about if you need someone to come and put their arm around you and help you run your race perhaps you pulled a hamstring perhaps you've come up short in something perhaps you're hobbling at the moment and the finish line seems a long way away and you just need some help Lord is here for you. We're just going to have a few minutes of ministry time before we uh, uh, close the meeting, have our sausages. If that's you, uh, I'd like to invite you to the front. Can I get the prayer team to come and pray for you? Uh, let's just all stand together if we can. says only that which is done for Christ will last do you have a prophecy over your life that hasn't come to pass yet come forward receive prayer do you need healing in your body do you need healing in your mind in your soul come forward and receive prayer if you've hit a wall of adversity and you just need some help come forward the Lord is here for you so we're just going to pray for some people at the front quite a few more to come. That's okay. We've got all day. We've got sausages sizzling in the barbecue to sustain us. There's no need to rush off the lunch. So let's sing together. If you want some prayer, please uh, 